Hi, my name is Cyril War. And my name is Brian Roick, and welcome to the Shaping Spirit podcast. We're just a couple of California guys who collected a bunch of degrees and have traveled all over the world studying spirituality to bring it right back here to the West and uncover and explore with you what it means to be spiritual, what it means to develop spirituality, and in the most material and spiritual sense at the same time, how do we shape spirit? How do we shape ourselves? Very much going to the gym and lifting weights, we are going to the spiritual gym and lifting some spiritual weights. So let's have a little bit of fun with this. And uh, in honor of Halloween, for those of you who celebrate, uh, we are going to discuss something that uh, we thought would be very fun. And the topic for today is the psychology of fear. You sell those um, those those bumper stickers that say that say no fear. Yeah, <laughs> that, well, that's a clothing company. You know, I think a California-based uh, clothing company. I think for surfing. Oh no way! Right? Yeah. So uh, that's that's been popular for years, and uh, you know why why we wanted to discuss this today is uh, it's so interesting how fear dominates our lives in so many aspects and so many facets of what we do day to day. And I was curious, Cyril, do you remember the first time you were afraid? What's yeah. the earliest memory you have of being afraid? Yeah, actually I thought about that. And a vivid memory that comes to mind is I was, I was on a ski trip in the middle of summer in the West, like, you know, in America, because my mom had some friends in, um, Actually, the Bob Purcell, who's like this big, big, big donor at Cornell University, and he had this hotel in Portillo, Chile. And his wife was my mom's best friend, when this Chinese lady, Wendy Purcell. Long story short, I was like eight or nine, and you know, it's Southern Hemisphere there, so so it was it was winter, and so we went skiing. What a stupid idea to go skiing, you know, during your summer holiday. But anyway, and. So I was going down and so it was really foggy, really, really, really foggy. And I was skiing alongside my mom and we got to the bottom of the, of, of, of the slope. And somehow like she stopped earlier, stopped before me and I continued. And then I always remember this, like I, I ended up maybe, I don't know, 50 yards down the slope. And if the sun was up, you know, no problem, but it was so foggy. Like I couldn't see like, you know, five feet in front of me. And all of a sudden, I'm like all alone, surrounded by this fog. I'm eight years old. There's like literally nothing and nobody around me. And I remember I was just like screaming. My mom, I was like, Ma! <laughs> like yelling. <laughs> and she came like maybe five minutes later, but for those five minutes or for those two minutes or however long, maybe it was just 30 seconds, but it sounded like, you know, it felt like eternity. I was like so scared. Uncertain, right? The, the fear of, of the unknown, fear of the yeah. unknown right? Is it, that's always what it is, right? It's like the fear, when we really kind of try to unravel what fear is about. And one thing I want to do, I definitely oh, want to- what about you? <laughs> you know, I'm going to get there. Disclose, the disclose yeah, to us. No, I absolutely will. Uh, but what, what I was going to say is one of the things I wanted to make sure the audience is aware of is this podcast is not about describing chemicals and chemical reactions, Okay. There's plenty of podcasts. If you want to go out there and listen to a scientist tell you about how a chemical interacts with another chemical, uh, and that's what creates your life, 
go ahead, have fun with that. That's not what shaping spirit is about. We definitely take a more empathetic approach and what we consider a much deeper approach to this. Maybe a consciousness-based uh, approach? Yes, to- a consciousness-based pr- approach. Absolutely. With to the where premise that consciousness is not material. Exactly. And uh, we're, we're really looking at this from a consciousness-based perspective. So my earliest memory, believe it or not, I was a toddler. And I remember being in a Japanese restaurant with my parents and their friends. And I remember it was very dark and I was in a high chair. And I remember staring at the walls, looking at all these Japanese kabuki masks <laughs> and seeing those kabuki masks when I was a kid and so little scared the hell out of me because I'm looking at these masks and I thought that they were alive. <laughs> I thought that the way that these, these faces were shaped in the mask, I thought they were going to jump off the wall and attack me. And, uh, and I remember that, of that deeply. Yeah, I remember it to old. this day. Yeah, but it carried me through because over time, I, you know, by the time I was seven, I had already embraced martial arts, right? I've been a martial artist for 90% of my life. You know, I have my own martial arts school. So it actually drove me into the direction of what I was afraid of. Hmm. And now I have, a, a, as I grew older, I had a deep appreciation for kabuki theater studied it, tried to understand what it was, and tried to learn and understand the way of the samurai, uh, reading all kinds of books and looking into it and really embracing martial arts to take something that was a huge fear for me and then actually dovetailing it into something that I embraced and grinded out into making a successful path for myself. So it was almost you like, know? you know, the horse, like you fall off a horse and then yeah. if you like get back up on it, then you're no longer afraid of them. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was something like that. And I think, you know, a lot of times what happens in, in life, when we're looking at something that we're afraid of, we go in one of two directions, right? We become afraid of something. And usually like yours, it's the fear of the unknown. And we run in the other direction, right? We get afraid, we run away. Or the other way we turn is we run into the fear. And as you run towards the fear, where does that take you? And that's where I think the beautiful adventure begins, right? Like what, what is really, if we break this down and this is what, you know, we're going to do today is kind of break down the aspects of fear and how it drives us psychologically. That's why it's the psychology of fear and how it shapes us in terms of how we interact with our world. Because I think what, as I'm sure you would agree, most people don't understand is how our world shapes around us is based on our own personal internal realizations and how we react to things. And it's our reactions that shape our world, not just necessarily a rock falling onto the ground, right? So a lot how, more fear than, yeah. than, than we kind of like to admit. And like, I mean, I really agree with you that, that if we take an objective look, um, fear is like, 80% of, you know, I mean, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm throwing that figure out sort of randomly, but not that randomly. I mean, it, it is a, a huge factor in, in decision-making and just, you know, in making this world earn fear, fear as the motivating factor, right? Defense, because fear implies, you know, defending myself, defending my property, defending my money, defending my loved ones. And that's legit, of course, but, but like you say, it's based on fear. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, we can break it down literally into four categories, right? Eating, sleeping, some form of intimacy, right? Interpersonal relationships, and uh, defending, right? You mean so, like human life, right? Yeah, human life. And so when we break this down into these little aspects, right? It's just like, we're afraid of everything based on, okay, we're always looking for what's our next meal. Where are we going to get the food? Where are we going to go out to eat? Where we, oh, we I got to go grocery shopping. Sophisticated way. Yeah. yeah you look and at then, birds in the street and they're like, yeah, yeah exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, and then more we, refined versions of that. Exactly. When then we have to have a roof over our head, right? It's just like, we, that, that's a fundamental need which drives us to succeed, right? Totally. If you have a family, what do you want? You want to have a roof over your children's head. You want to have food on the table. You want to have a, a, re, a solid relationship with your partner. You want to have 5G right? internet. Got <laughs> exactly. Have that 5G internet, right? So if you look at what drives us, so much is motivated by fear. And you look at what's going on in the world around us now with different conflicts. And we have like Russia, the Ukraine, and all these things. It's like everything is motivated by fear. You look at the news. Everything on the news is, is, is fear-driven, right? And fear to do what? what? What is it motivating us to do? Typically, uh, you, you know, you, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. To me, typically, fear drives us to consume, hmm. right? Fear drives us to, oh, remember when COVID happened, I can tell you down, down on my street, all my neighborhood, fear drove everybody to buy as much toilet paper as they right. possibly could. Right. Why? I have no idea. But the fear of, you know, whatever a respiratory virus was going to do made everybody run out and buy and hoard, literally hoard toilet paper, <laughs> which blows oh, my mind. No, we couldn't buy ivermectin, huh? Well, that's another topic. <laughs> that's another topic altogether. But if you look at like how it drives us, how it motivates us, look at, look at in the corporate world, right? Look at how many people work out of fear. Most people will work a job nine to five, 25, 35 years, retire, work a job that they were miserable in, retire with, you know, a sore back, sore knees, sick, <laughs> right? All kinds of ailments because they were afraid to and you take see a that leap of faith. You work in pharmaceuticals as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's amazing, but you know, here's the thing, and I, I, I'd love to get your input on this. How come certain external factors motivate us with fear and then other external factors we have complete faith in. And I'll give you an example and I'd love to get your input on this in terms of what you think. When you have a child, right? You don't have a baby and go, oh my God, I need to stay up every night for the next 18 years, 24 seven, get me some Adderall because the, the child's going to die at any second. It doesn't happen. There's a certain thing that comes over you where you kind of grow into the natural process where you trust, if you want to call it the universe, you can trust, trust the, that spirit, the undercurrent of the divine spirit. You trust mother nature. You trust, you have faith in something that brings you closer and literally drives you to move forward in that connection instead of running away. Otherwise, everybody who would have a baby, either they're going to tape their eyes open to stay up 
24-7 to make sure the baby breathes and as they grow up, right? Or they're just going to drop the baby off somewhere and run away. But there is fear, so, though. I mean, I haven't had a, I don't, I haven't had a child. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, you know, I never... Well, I never gave birth, obviously. I'm a man, but I also, I, I'm not a father, so I can't really speak from experience, but you're a father. So yeah. weren't, I mean, isn't there, now your kids are a little bit grown up, but weren't you afraid though, as they were growing up? Like as they were, when they were toddlers? Don't tell no. me that you weren't, you weren't worried? No, I, I, I was, you have a certain healthy concern, right? In terms of well, who's going to be sorry, around we my children. see and hear examples of mothers, especially like freaking out because their their kids are not eating or... I mean, I don't know. It seems to me that there's a lot of sort of, maybe not fear, but yeah, anxiety on, on behalf, you know, out of love for, for yeah. your, your offspring's well-being. I, I think, it, yeah, and you're right. There is a healthy anxiety, right? Because you want them to thrive. You want them right? to survive. I think, <laughs> yes, but it's beyond survival. It's thriving. You want them to thrive. Right. And so I think there's a difference in having this anxiousness that the child thrives Versus a fear of the of the child being dead in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. right? We take our kids to school every day, right? When you're a parent, you drop your kid off at school, and of course, there's been you know numerous terrible tragedies where uh, things have happened, school shootings, and all kinds of horrific violence. And I don't I don't ever want that to happen to anyone ever again. But you know, it has existed and it does exist. But none of us as parents are thinking like today's the day. Oh my God, what if today's the day where my kid gets murdered or, you know, my so kid doesn't wake up. So you're contrasting that to, to, to what? To actual fear. Like people are so afraid of, am I going to lose my job because my jo- my performance mm, is so in jeopardy, right? They're, like you say, they, they have faith in, in a sort of a... In, the, in nature. Kind of system. There's a certain... Nature. Yeah, the, there's a natural there's system. Like irrational fear of... Like you say, losing one job, one's job, or yeah, or like here's here's another example of fear, which I, I think is very common. And I think everybody can relate to the fear of rejection. Yeah. So if In we look at right, yeah, absolutely. If we look at the psychology of fear, particularly with interpersonal relationships, did you ever see that? Did you ever see that um, experiment that was filmed where, like, you have someone like someone comes into a, a doctor's you know, office and is sitting in the, in the waiting lounge and there's like 10 people in there and they're all actors. Right. And only that person doesn't know. And then like one of them like stands up for no reason and does some weird gesture with his hand and everyone else, right. Everyone else does the same thing. And the person's like, well, what? And then they all sit down again, continue talking. And then, you know, 30 seconds late. Did you ever see that? And then they do it again. I, I've never seen that, but I saw recently a video. And it's actually kind of towards your point. You where there was right? some, out of, out of yeah, fear of not fitting. Yes. Out of there was people running in. down the street. It was like a jogging club and they were running down the street and these people at a restaurant saw it. And then everybody else that was sitting outside at the restaurant gets up and starts running <laughs> down the street following the joggers because they thought something was coming. Right. Right. So we have this, if you really look down down deep, right? There's this fear, like you're saying, there's a fear of lack of fitting in, right? I, I, so how that my, motivates was, us is crazy. When I was in high, when I was in high school, wasn't when I was in high school, especially like my 11th and 12th year grade in Santa Monica, like I was, 
I don't, you know, I always, cause I had, I'm, I was born in LA and stuff, but you know, I did grow up in France. My father was French. So I have that Franco sight to me. Right. And, and I, I know I was, I felt, I remember I felt so like, um, um, like insecure vis-a-vis like the in crowd, you know, there was like this group of like 10 or 20 guys who kind of like were the most popular guys. And <clears throat> I remember like, trying so hard to, you know, to, to, to please them and to, to, you know, to, to just look cool enough so that, you know, they could like grant me their freaking audience, you know, and maybe accept me into the group for, for, for an afternoon, you know, I mean, exaggerating a little bit, but I did have my own identity and my own set of friends and so on. But still though, I like, I remember how much it was like, it felt uncomfortable and demeaning now, I think in retrospect to, you know, to want to be, you know, part of a, yeah, to be, to be seen favorably by, by so-called popular people or powerful people and embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think it really comes down to, it's just like our perception of ourselves, right? Totally. How do we perceive totally. ourselves in that pecking order of what we see as popular or acceptable? And this it's almost like we go into these environments where you know tend yourself. to accept it. Yeah. Sorry, but you, you have to know yourself. Plato here, you know, no. like know thyself. You know I mean? If you really are in touch with, with your inner self, then like you don't care what others think of you, isn't it? Yeah. Just, and it's, it's true. Rare. But think about that. Think about how rare that is. Most people, if they don't fit into a group, right? They will wilt like a like a dying flower. They have to have that sense of um, dare I say sameness and acceptance. They want to be accepted uh, as the same versus being accepted for being an individual. You know, there's a there's an old saying: unity and diversity. Right. Mm. So being able to accept diversity. And, and have that sense of unity and individuality. And there's, a, there's an ancient concept uh, you know, that you're, you and I are aware of called simultaneous inconceivable oneness and difference, right? And really, you know, the, one of the best explanations I, I received from that is like sparks to a fire, right? Every spark of a fire is individual. And then, you know, the fire itself is whole. Right. Or fingers on a hand, right? So every finger is individual, yet the hand is one unit. It's one functioning unit. So how we have to see ourselves in society and see ourselves in group is individual, right? Balance, right? Has to be a very healthy balance, right? Because that is such a um, crippling fear that I think most people have. It stunts them from progress. You know, and if you think, go ahead. Well, I think of two extremes here. One extreme is like, and I'll explain real briefly, like the matrix, for example, on one side. And the other side is, you know, the typical, um, we are all one ideology that you find all over the world, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of philosophy or, or theology. And I think these are two extremes that, that don't, um, that, that, that obfuscate what you just spoke of, namely this healthy balance between recognizing that we are all individual persons with our own individual, you know, character and, and 
consciousness and personality and no one is the same as us. We're completely unique individuals, each and every one of us. Um, and yet we're, you know, one also in the, same, in the sense of being part of a greater whole or being part of the same, let's say, fa- you know, universal family with other individuals, right? And so on the one mm-hmm. side, you have this idea that, you know, there's this philosophy of, you know, there is no distinction between the self or between selves. We're all one, we're all one, we're all one. And then you even see that in, you know, in, in, in media, in the media or in, in political movements. I mean, there I, there I even mentioned that, you know, in some way you could say like, the, you know, this idea of, for example, the woke ideology of trying to uh, reduce men and women to the same exact identity where, where there's absolutely no difference at all between men and women, you know? So it's like, that's cutting away at the idea of individuality and, and, and distinction between individual beings. Right. But on the other side, on the other extreme, you have the matrix example where you're living in your own universe and you're like, you're like, so, you know, and everybody else is radically different from you, completely radically different from you. And that's an, another unhealthy, um, you get what, 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 what I'm trying oh, to say? Oh, absolutely. I think it kind of plays into what we've learned. You know, I said we weren't going to talk about science, but I'll throw this out there. You know, they're, they're talking about the human genome, right? And our DNA, I think, is like something like 99.99% the same, right? So our degree of sameness in terms of our, as human beings, of our genetic code is like virtually 100% the same. Okay. And what makes so it so much difference, right? right? If you think about it, it's that little spark. It's that tiny little bit of spirit that makes it, that our consciousness makes us individuals. It's a, it's a really, it's a beautiful thing. Cause if, if you, if you think about it, we have so much in common, all of us humans. And then we have these tiny little bits of us that are so indescribable, so baffling to scientists. They say, we have no idea why we're all individuals, Mm. right? And how we're different. But even though we're 99.99 or whatever the percentage is, nobody quote me on this because I am not a scientist, okay? But whatever that number is, it's like virtually 100%. But it's that tiny margin that is not exactly 100% that makes us individuals. Well, and speaking of that, what do you what do you say then about the fear of of facing the you know the the, the purported reality that we are individuals? Like face, you know, it's fearful to because in one way it's easy to say actually I, you know we're all one, but if you if you're faced with it's just like remember um, Apocalypse Now? Yeah, of course. What was that? That movie was based on a book by famous author. It was Hearts of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness. Conrad. Yeah. Conrad, right? So yeah, there's an analogy, right? Where he like he goes into the heart of the of the Amazon forest, but actually he's going inside, right? Inward. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's an inward journey. And it and what's his famous saying when he finally reaches like the the epicenter of of of, of his own heart? What does he say? Such a Remember, he goes, the horror. 
the horror, the, the horror. horror, like yeah, he, that's self reflection, right? Right. He's like faced with his with his self, and I mean, it's a pretty you know, in some way, we could say like, wow, the beauty, right? Why not the beauty? The you know, but here he's saying the horror, and since we're speaking of yeah. fear, I think I think you know, a lot of us are afraid to to really admit that we're persons because then that means that means that we have responsibility then we you know then we're accountable it's like Jean-Paul Sartre you know the, the existentialist they, they you know as much as i don't like the existentialist like um you have Jean-Paul Sartre who used to say and i th- i thought that was cool like he he says that you know that everybody is responsible for his own existence and you have to be accountable to nobody else but yourself like there's no one else that that is responsible or that you could blame for you know you have to you basically it's all it all you know it all boils down and comes back to you you know yeah absolutely i i couldn't agree with you more and i think that's the thing right we're so consumed with two things number one the group think or the group mentality right herd mentality Mm. but here's the other here's the other thing that i think freaks people out you know you there's that saying right you're born alone you die alone you know, everything in the middle is, you can't take it with you. Whatever you, you think happens at the end of your life, you're, you're, you're there, you're going out by yourself. You know, even if it's a plane crash, you're still going out by yourself. Um, and, and here's the thing, right? From a purely opposite end of our spectrum, atheistic, materialistic perspective, the atheist believes, right? There's nothing greater than themselves, but then there's that question that they are never able to answer is what is themselves if it's not the material body, right? Because consciousness is, is a separate entity. And I when, think so. when we look at it, right? When we look at it and go, look, we, our, our tagline here, guys, on this podcast is you are not your body. You You're going to hear us, us say this over and over and over again. Your body changes. Even a scientist will admit the cells change, what, like every seven years or something like that. that. Maybe right? the brain so cells whatever, less. But. Yeah, whatever it is. You know, it, I don't have the same body I had when I was a baby. Neither do you, right? I don't have the same body I had when I was five, year, you know, five years old, 20 years old. I've got two torn shoulders, you know, bone spurs in my neck and my back, all kinds of stuff from, you but know. We believe, you know, that you're the same person. Yeah, exactly. So what makes you? Exactly. Ontologically. Exactly. Your body changes, right? This is a, this is a fact. You can prove it and by your own personal existence. The body changes, but everybody knows that the body is approaching its destruction. In other words, yes. death. And so, in what, right? So, fe- can we not say that fear, fear, fear of all, demise, right? Of death, fear of demise. Like our own yeah. body, we're seeing it like disintegrate in front of our very eyes. And if we're identifying with it then it's like, holy crap, I am dying, like, at every yes. second. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> you know, to quote one of my favorite bands, Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson says in a song, there's a time to live, there's a time to die, there's a time to meet your maker. There's a time to live, isn't it strange? As soon as you're born, you're already dying. He says that? I, yes. And let Those me tell lines, you, not just the first that, one. that whole thing. Yeah. That whole thing. He says that in, in the song and I've carried that around since that song came out and I can't even remember what record that was on. It probably came out in the late eighties, 
and uh, just took my kids to Iron Maiden recently, and they played that song. And uh, <laughs> you must have you, felt really. Oh happy. yeah, it's so it's such, but it's such a transcendental. It's such a deeply spiritual idea, right? And and to really go beyond that, for someone to sit and admit, sit back and go, wait a minute. As soon as I'm born, I'm already in the process of death. But what is death? And so for us to not be attached to death allows us not to be attached to fear because fear is our perception of our external influences. And all fear is transient. Just like everything else, all of our experiences are transient. So we have to be able to transcend this concept of being fixated on fear. So and on matter allow it and to on pass. body. Yeah, exactly. Body is right? self. It goes hand in hand. That's what, you know, remember I spoke about, there's one thing I find cool in this rhetoric that you, you hear a lot today, you know, for example, in terms of gender issues, coming back to that point, just as a, as a side, you know, you, you often hear, I identify as, right? Mm -hmm. I identify yeah. as gay or heterosexual or bisexual, or there's a lot of different uh, nomenclatures, right? But yeah. just focusing on this idea of I identify as, actually, that's actually really, really cool. Because to me, it means that there's a, there's a, there's a taking of a, of a step, of a meta, you're like taking a step back in terms of like of a meta analysis of your own self. And you're admitting basically to yourself and to, your, and to the world that whatever you identify with, and that's totally secondary, you're not that because you identify as. And so that implies that you are, you are something else. And exactly. it goes back to your question. You're like, okay, if you're not this or that, this body or gay or straight or whatever, then who are you? Exactly. And, it, you know, it, well, it's a progress. Uh, it's a step, it's a step forward. Right? It is, it is, it is a step forward. In a way, forward. right? In terms step. of all, I mean, Absolutely. It, it, right? In the it's midst like, of all what could seem like a, a sort of like crazy neurotic madness, there's, there's a sort of a wisdom, a civilizational wisdom that's, that's, that, that has kicked in with this very notion of identifying as. I, I find yeah. it very positive. It, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, this, this clinging to the concept of, okay, I am my body. And this is it. This is me. Is uh, it's in my opinion, right? It's it's a very low grade thought process because there's so much more depth to who you are. We already know. Let's just embrace the scientists again. Ninety nine point nine percent of us is the same on yeah. a cellular level. Why are you level. falling in love with with Judy or with 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 you know Nancy or Frank or Bob or whoever? Right? Exactly. Right. There's individual. Why is it that maybe you know? Uh, Joe falls in love with Bob and doesn't fall in love with Judy, right? There's that consciousness too. So their, their awareness is not within that cellular DNA. It's something more. Yeah. You know, and, and, and how we embrace ourselves is how we our environment, yeah, is how our environment's going to embrace us, right? We have to embrace ourselves first. We have to have our own personal self-acceptance in order to transcend the blockades of fear that we have, that psychology of fear that cripples us from doing what we should do on a daily basis, which is number one, speak our truth, 
right? Embrace others for their individuality and be able to move which in such a way in which we find a, a path in life in which we give of ourselves fully and not expect anything in return, right? This is the thing. This is what, what, what should be motivating us, right? How do I give? How do I give freely without fear of rejection, without fear of ridicule, without fear of harm, right? And in such a way that I can make a difference in other people's lives. And in oh, doing so, it, I will make the difference in my own life. Here. Yeah, but ultimately, that's where that's where we're going, right? At some point, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna. These it are reminds uh, me of uh, that know. song "Pass It On" by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Remember, uh, I, I love that line. Like, uh, live for yourself, and you will live in vain. Live for others, and you will live again. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, but like in that's order to live right for there. others, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is like an like me first. Like, okay, who? Like, how how can I, you know, not be devoured by fear? Right? How can yeah. I like just start living as a conscious, spiritual, conscious being inside a physical body? You know. Yeah. And then I can think of you know of being selfless towards others, isn't it? Yeah. And how and, can you, know, you be selfless? It, you know, towards it's, others, it's, if you yourself are like completely, completely identified with, uh, well, with with matter and with your body, and therefore with the, with the temporariness of of material life. You know, plastic surgeons are going to hate us for this because, uh, <laughs> you know, if you think about it, it, it is, it is um, heartbreaking to me how many people in this day and age have just, just kind of dove into the deep end of plastic surgery and uh, these medical aesthetics and all this my stuff. Mom, my mom got a facelift. I was like mm. 10. We were, in, we were back in L.A., And, I and for those who don't know, your mother was a beautiful model. <laughs> you know, you you know, it's just the woman was stunning. So, you know, in honor to your mother, you know, mm -hmm. it's, when we see that, it's yeah, she really didn't need one. Like it was no. so, and and, it was, and the thing is, it was so painful. Like her whole face, she was like, "Oh my god, it's like burning!" Like she was like, you know, for a few days, like, <laughs> because they put like you know bandages on your on your face. It's like yeah. And I was like, I was, I remember I was a kid and I was like, you idiot. <laughs> I didn't say you idiot, but that's how I felt. I was like, you dummy. Like, why'd you do that? Like, hello? Why? Like, you don't need to. Like, you're, you know, I mean, materially you're beautiful enough. And even yeah. like, why don't you just like, even if you are, you know, if your skin is starting to sag, whatever, big deal. Like you're, you're, yeah. you know, I, I don't think I had the, the, the concept yet. Like you're not your body mom, <laughs> but yeah. I, I guess that's where I was going with it. See, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, I don't know anybody who's ever walked into a forest, looked at a 400-year-old tree, right. spit on the tree going, what an ugly, disgusting tree, right? You admire it for its beauty, for its age, for what it, it shows, its bark, the, you know, the, the, the aesthetics of the bark, how it's grown. It, it, it shows off its own beauty and it shines from within, Right. And I see that, you know, predominantly, it seems predominantly with women. I know with men, it's, it's very common, but, uh, you know, now also, but, you know, the insecurity and the fear. I, I see it a lot in your, so in many your, women have. in your business field or in your, um, not, di not directly, uh, not directly with what I do, uh, because my specialty is a little bit different. Um, 
but the people around, you know, look, living in Southern California, it's, uh, it's notorious. It is for that, right? notorious for Worldwide. you know medis- medical aesthetics. Right? So everybody's got Botox. Everybody has lip injections. You know, everybody's got some kind of implant. You know, from the front to the back and everything in between. And you know, there's something to be said for somebody to have the confidence. And the love, the self-love. Yeah, the self-love. This is who I am. And and, and so much of self-love comes from how we take care of ourselves. Remember Bruno Mars? Maybe that's why that song was so popular. I love you just the way you are. Beautiful song. Yeah, beautiful song. And, 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 you know, the thing is, this is like, look, sorry to break the bad news to, to people out there, but, you know, we'll get into this in another podcast one of these days, but eating a state, what's called the standard American diet, isn't going to make you beautiful. I'm sorry. There are things, and it has been proven, there are foods you eat and things that you do that will age you faster. If you're drinking alcohol, it's going to age you. If you're just downing yourself with meat all the time, you're going to age faster. I'm sorry. You know, if you're eating junk food and processed food, you're going to age faster. If you're not exercising, if you're not drinking water, if you're not overloading yourself with antioxidants, you're going to age faster hmm. and it's not going to age well. You know, so self-love comes from, okay, th- let's look at our bodies as it's like a vehicle, right? I mean, how many people, let's just take the United States. How many people lease a car versus finding a car? Why am I saying this? Because when you're leasing a car, you're changing that car out, what, every three to five years, right? And then you're getting a new one. Why? Because you're dissatisfied with the car. It's getting older. You don't like how it looks, Right. All of a sudden, just because you changed the car doesn't mean you're not Cyril anymore. Just because you were driving a Toyota and then you went to a Mercedes or then you went to an Audi doesn't mean like, okay, I'm not Cyril. Now I'm going to be Hector. You've never done that, right? Whatever your car is, that's your car. So for us to be so bodily conscious and to be in, in this fear zone, right? When we have to realize that, guess what? This, this, vehicle this is a vehicle our yeah. material body it's, it's is a vehicle vehicle you know oh and God. we are conscious every single one of us anybody listening and even if you're not listening guess what you are conscious and you want to know something else you matter and, and consciousness if we may is because you know you can say yeah i mean the physicalist you know and we define physicalism as that that paradigm or that philosophy that reduces consciousness to nothing but, you know, chemical interactions in the brain, right? Exchanges of neurons and protons, mm-hmm. period. End of story, right? So I lost my train of thought. But yeah, not only do you matter, but you as a conscious being are, you know, that consciousness is not born from matter. I mean, that's what you have to be really convinced of. Remember that, I mean, we both love music, so it's kind of cool to, to quote songs, but Remember the police? I mean, many, many of our hearers probably, and they know Sting, but you know, Sting was yeah. part of, and this is like going back to the eighties, but remember there was that one song by Sting and the police, um, spirits in the material world. Oh yeah. Beautiful. We are spirits in the material world, our spirits. I mean, God, you how, just gave how more Madonna poignant twist is that? To it. <laughs> you, you just know? gave him Sorry. a, because <laughs> she wrote right what she said. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I'm not I trying to do material in, girl. In mater- exactly. No, but that's, that's basically what they were saying. No, I don't, it's hard to remember the melody with these headphones on, but you know, anybody you can go listen to the song. Headphones. Don't listen to me. Yeah, whatever. 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna blame. I can blame the headphones. I can blame whatever I want. Okay, I'll <laughs> blame, blame my Madonna. faulty material body. Now that I'm not gonna sing the song properly, but yes, spirits in the material world, the police. You know, of course they had it right, and you know, being a kind of accepting that you're a spiritual being having a, a material experience. That's such a nice expression, right? It's it's that if when you when you frame that as your reality. I think you're able to start successfully it's moving huge. without fear. It is huge. I, I really mean, do. It is so huge. Just that one adjustment. I am spirit. I am not matter. Oh my God. Like everything changes. I am not matter, but I do matter. Yeah, I'm not matter, but I do matter. Right? I, I matter, yet I am not matter. You know, and being being aware that we are spiritual beings in a That's material a vehicle. Right, we're in a material vehicle, having a material experience. It's like, how is it any different than somebody playing, you know, video game? They're playing Call of Duty or whatever they play these days. If you die in the video game, are you crying over it? No, you restart it. Right, you start the game again. You go back to the last, you know, spawn point or endpoint, whatever they call it, and then you keep playing the game. Right, so to be wrapped up in the material body thinking that this is everything. You know, here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen, this is not everything. Your world is meant to be fully lived from within. And the minute you tap into that is when you really start to see your own full ex full expression and also how you can actually reduce fear in your life because then you're not worried about what happens next because, because you're, you're identifying with something that's eternal that's one thing we have to exactly. establish right the, the the opposite of of matter we can say is consciousness and by mm -hmm. definition consciousness doesn't die consciousness is not uh, ephemeral consciousness is real and eternal so all of a sudden you're like holy crap i'm eternal yeah and matter is temporary Everything, every situation we have, if you look at it, you know, you can go to any psychologist. What do they always tell somebody? They come in, a patient comes in, they say, oh, don't worry, this too shall pass, right? You will pass. Let's try this type of therapy or that type of therapy. Don't worry. You're whatever stressor you have, whatever fear, ultimately all these things I think really plays back into fear. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid to step outside. You have agoraphobics that are afraid to go outside their door. They're, you know, what, are, what, are they, what are they called? It's temporary. Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. So, afraid yeah, to literally fear, move, leave your house? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's like a fear of engagement with the, the rest with of the, the world. world. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're stuck at home, you know, locking yourself up and, and watching porn all day, which unfortunately a lot of guys do and women too, then... That's just an extra, an extra factor in making you feel completely, uh, completely opposite of confident, completely insecure vis-a-vis -vis real interactions with other, other beings. And, and we're getting that way. If you notice, if you take a look at what they're saying about Japan, uh, they're saying that it could be the first country to kind of like their population to die out on their own because the people are not, the men and the women are not interacting with each other. They're not mating. And so they're having like a negative population problem. And what's happening is they're so focused on the digital, right? Yeah. And they're so focused on these, you know, these fake virtual, universes, virtual, virtual you're right, there you go, 
virtual Crazy. reality that they have no interest in. I, I've watched so many documentaries on this where you see a, a young man, he says, well, why would I have a human girlfriend when I can go home to my virtual girlfriend? She says everything I want her to say. I can have my meal. We can have a nice evening together and I can go to bed happy. And I'm like, wow, you're totally Remember missing the movie out. Ex Machina? I've heard of it. I never seen oh, it. And I've had so many I people really recommend, recommend it to you and, and the people okay. who are hearing this podcast to watch Ex Machina. It came out, what, maybe five, six years ago? I, I believe so. And yeah. it's exactly what you say. It's like this guy who, who gets carried to a, to a remote location in the middle of some Alaskan forest or something. And, and it's actually an experiment. He doesn't know about it. He's so-called hired by like a, um, the CEO of like the, 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 it's this huge internet sort of big, big network. And, and, and like he, you know, it's an experiment. He doesn't realize it, but the whole thing is about him interacting with this gorgeous uh, art of like this robot and her. And it's fun. I love this part, oh, man. You know, speaking <laughs> of um, like, the, and, and she's shaped according to his um, search history when he, you know, goes to watch porn. Or, no, so yeah. like, you know, oh, like whatever his likes, <laughs> you know, he track that and then they formulate, they make a, a, a fake woman that, that, that looks exactly as his, you know, dream girl. And at the end, the robot actually wins and kills both him and sorry for the spoiler alert here, but. Oh, right? no, no, it's, 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 it's interesting, you know, and it's funny because it's so opposite of, uh, I'd say, uh probably my, my most impactful teacher in my life. He said uh, to me and to other students many times, he, he would say, you know, when you truly love someone, their faults become like ornaments on a tree. And you love, you love those things. It becomes charming to you. Their faults become charming because the true depth of love isn't just something surface and superficial. But yeah, to we come really back to the same thing, right? There's deep, truly internal. Right. Yeah. yeah, you love the person, right? I mean, we we hear that even just in, in regular just media, movies, a common saying, right? Like it's a real, it's a person inside. You really, you know, even like what's the person's character? You know, you can't see character. No, you can't smell character. You can't see character with your eyes. It's definitely yeah. more subtle, and yet everybody's, you know, unless they're like really Hollywood, whatever. I don't want to put down Hollywood, but you know, most people would agree in their moments of sanity that, you know, if you're going to enter into, into a relationship, then the, you know, the way the person looks vis visually is not as important as the person's character. Right. And that's already starting to go deeper than just skin. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So then I guess the question remains for those of us, that are uh, pondering this topic in the psychology of fear. How do we go beyond fear? Like what would be our step-by-step? -step? What would be like a, a daily call to action for, for those people that are listening for something that we can do to commit to, okay, what am I going to do for the next week? What am I going to do for the next day? What am I going to do for the next 30 days to get me to go beyond fear? Hmm. So to kind of, um, disrupt that paralysis of the psychology of fear that I have in my daily interactions, right? 
with what, what, other what people would you say? and other things, what would we do? Well, I think the first thing is we should really have that, wake up and have that affirmation. I am not I was, my body. I was just thinking right? the same thing. <laughs> I swear to God. Because I was right? making fun of affirmations at the beginning of the podcast, but this is a, right. an affirmation that really but, does work. This, you know? this is it, right? This is like, I am not my body. I'm not this you body. Know? And, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm conscious. Yeah. You, we have to know that we are not this body, people. You're not your body. And when you embrace that and... Then we go, okay, I am not this body. And others are also not their body. So all of a sudden yeah. you're like, you're not black. You're not, you know, Jewish. You know, your body is black. Your body is Jewish, but you are a, a, a conscious spiritual being inside that, right. that body. And then, and then, you know, you, I love this because, you know, this goes even beyond uh, racism. This goes, you know, this goes into the realm of speciesism where yeah. you apply that same paradigm to other living, you know, conscious beings, regardless of whether they're humans. Like you, you start seeing, literally, you start seeing trees and freaking, you know, worms and, and I don't know, butterflies and horses and pigs and, and whatever, snakes, exactly the same. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're seeing that, um, that spark of consciousness inside. And yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, and the, and that may be for a lot of people listening, that may be a difficult uh, pill to swallow. And to that, I would say, let's just start with, Humans. okay, we know that that's the end goal, right? But let's even start with ourselves, right? What if we can't even go, what if we have yeah, like- let's go back to ourselves. An ex-husband, right? <laughs> or, or, or some kind of, uh, you know, somebody in our life that was just made our lives a living hell, Right. And we go, you know what? They cannot possibly have a soul. They cannot be <laughs> conscious because, you know, they took half my money. I lost my house. I lost my cars and my boat. And, you know, you know, it goes on and on and on. But if, if I can just look and if I can just sit down and just say, I am not this body, this is a vehicle for me to use in that, in the mode of giving, in the mode of goodness. And what do we mean by that? Giving without expecting, right? Because there's a great saying, the getting is in the giving. So the more we give, the more we will actually get out of it. That is our fulfillment. That is our nature as humans to truly to give. And not everybody's going to give in the same way. So don't expect somebody to give back to you or to give to you what you did. Right, because everybody, and we'll put, we'll address this at another podcast. I know we're getting a little long-winded here, but everybody has a different capacity to give. Everybody has a different capacity to love. Okay, so we can never hold other people to an expectation that their capacity is equal to ours. Right, and we have to accept whether where they're at. Right, and and and, and when you start like more, you know, identifying more and more as a conscious spiritual being inside a physical body it's unfortunate but you start realizing that like there's you know the number of of individual persons who 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 what to speak of experience that but who even try to you know see the world through that lens is pretty small yeah so all the more reason not to expect you know not to have high expectations and like you said, like, then you start, you know, feeling more and more, you start experiencing satisfaction from within, you know, yeah, on the inside. 
Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, so if we, we kind of look at this, we can wake up every morning. I, I am not this body, right? This is this vehicle is a gift and I'm going to use it to give, right? And, uh, you know, once we do there, we accept ourselves and we say, I matter. Others I love matter what you too. That's a great quote. Right? I'm not I, matter, I, but I, I matter. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not matter, but I do matter as everyone matters, but focus first on I matter, right? Focus at home. Start with our own home, home, home plate, right? right? I am not this body. I am not matter, but I matter. And then focus on what can you give to the world today? Mm. What can you do? From that place of truth. From that place of truth. And it could be the tiniest thing. We're not talking about something big here where all of a sudden go write a donation to your, you know, your local church or synagogue, nothing like that. We are not saying that. We are talking about maybe you could help somebody say, hey, your shoe's untied. Or, hey, did you drop that? Let me help you. Or, hey, you know, just maybe telling your spouse, your partner, you know what, you look great. Or, hey, thank you so much for everything that you do, right? Or telling your children that you love them. Telling them, hey, you did an amazing job. Telling a coworker, hey, I appreciate you. Something to fill someone's cup, even in the tiniest bit, is going to ultimately make you feel amazing. Hmm. And when we ex experience fear, we have to stop, take a deep breath, and acknowledge fear is transient. And this fear exists because I am identifying with the material factors around me. I am not this body. Right. What else would you like to add to that? Um, I think we could add, you are not your body. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to make that our, our end tagline, but we already yeah. came to it. Like, what do we finish with now, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, is there anything else you think that uh, the listeners should be aware of in terms of breaking think, through that psychology we, we, of fear? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we came, we got to the crux of the matter. I think we really hit the... You know, the, the, we, we, we threw the missile in that little slot in the middle of the Death Star, you know, to use a Star Wars analogy. Like we, we hit the, we really touched the heart of the issue. You know, there's all, all sorts of factors that expand out of it, you know, and that can be dealt with more specifically with more like, you know, yeah, with more, more, more specificity. But, but, but the crux of the matter, I think, is, is, is we've, 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 we've hit on it, we've touched on it. So I think it was great. Awesome. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you all so much. Thank you all. And uh, until next week or until next podcast, yeah. remember, <laughs> you are not your body. Thank you guys so much for listening to Shaping Spirit and we will see you soon. Oh, also one more thing before I forget, this is important. If you have any questions or would like a topic for us to address, please email us. The email is as follows, infoshapingspirit at gmail.com. That is infoshapingspirit, write that all together, at gmail.com. Infoshapingspirit at gmail.com. Thank you all so much. Take care. <laughs>